Welcome to Let's Talk Faith and Justice. My name's Lyndon Sayers, pronouns he, him. And my name is Boston, pronouns he, him. Today, we want to talk about megachurches. Um, we're going to kind of see how the conversation goes. We're not really sure. There was some discussion before we hit record about like what what way it's going to take. But um, this is sort of, a, you know, it's a it's a big topic. I feel like it's very it's a big topic in the world. Um, think of things like, you know, Hillsong and other things. There's lots of documentaries, I feel like, all the time on on the operation and the controversies of megachurches. Um, and it's sort of another one of those things, you know, Canadians love to look at the United States and say like, oh yeah, this is a U.S. problem. This is the, oh, just in the U.S., just in the U.S. But there are mega churches in Canada as well. Um, one of the biggest ones, uh, some kind of reading before, beforehand, some research is in, uh, Calgary, Alberta. And I, I, you know, as soon as I like my, my, one of my main priorities, you know, like we talked, we've talked about it before, like one of the student leaders of inclusive Christians. So like, you know, queer affirming is super important immediately. And that's kind of like immediately what I look for, like, okay, what is this church's policy? What is this denomination's policy on? Like, it's usually, I mean, some, some have a little bit archaic language. Some call it like human sexuality. You know, I, I don't know. It's a number of things. Um, but I, I, you know, so I was researching into this, this mega church in Calgary and they sort of had a statement that at one part stated that, um, you know, we welcome everyone. Everyone is welcome into, you know, like the, the house of Christ. And then like four lines down, it was like, but we support the marriage between man and woman and we'll do our utmost to like guide you back to that path if you deviate from it or like just something and it was like okay so at at one on one hand you say that you support queer people you welcome queer people and then on you know not even (laughs) like like the next page you say oh but we're actually gonna make sure that you kind of follow this path of of marrying you know between a man and a woman um and something that I've found is a lot of young people turn towards these mega churches. Um, I think I also think we've kind of, I, you know, I say that a lot on this. On this like, we've, we've mentioned this before. We, you know, there's a lot to talk about and it all intersects. Um, but sort of the general idea, like amongst younger people is, oh, Christianity is Christianity, which I also felt when I was a young kid. I was like, I didn't understand the difference between denominations. Like a Catholic was a Lutheran, was an Anglican, was a, you know, Pentecostal was a bad, like it didn't matter to me at all. It was, they were all the same. Christians were all the same. And I definitely noticed that kind of a mindset in, in even up to like a university level of people thinking, oh no, well, you know, sort of use like the Catholic church as like the main and everyone's Catholic for some if you if you're if you go to church you're a catholic um so so this has kind of made a lot of young people turn away from a denominational um and also said to Lynn before before we started I kind of I have a bit of a not necessarily mega church as in thousands and thousands of people but also this sort of like non-denominational 
follow they follow the same sort of uh, routine as a megachurch does um so yeah we had some some thoughts on sort of the the turn away from the classic sort of denominational system do you want to do you want to share a little bit about that sure yeah uh well megachurches that's a one of my favorite topics or oh great that trajectory generally so yeah lots Lots of thoughts there. And I think you're right. You mentioned Boston at the beginning that there's often a lack of transparency. Although the one you mentioned in Calgary, I guess to their credit on the same page, that there's the so-called welcome statement also says, but psych, not, yeah. not really. Yeah, yeah. Um, lots, of, lots of these churches never mention it anywhere on their website. Or there might be a link to some kind of, if it's not a denomination, some kind of para-ministry. And then if you dig through that outside website, only there will you get some, like, statement of faith that typically is in very arcane language. Sometimes even, like, King James language is very opposite of how the very slick ministries present themselves. Yeah. Um, but I've found that before. But you have to dig real deep. And then you find out, yeah, marriage is only between a man and a woman. And, yeah, they basically support conversion therapy and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but they rarely lead with that out front. And it's almost never on a landing page or an about page that you could figure that out yeah. in any reasonable way. So that's a, that's a red flag right there. Um, that they're often very much wanting to conceal their intentions and their theology because they know uh, that people in their teens, 20s, 30s, some will be turned off by a theology that closed-minded. So I think that's, that's somewhere to start that that they're they're kind of like selling you a used car that's a lemon and lying to you lying to your face about it that's like a porsche or mercedes benz or Or, yeah this doesn't leak oil what do you mean that oil spill that's that's not oil yeah that's just some condensation yeah you know it was uh frosty this morning and then the sun came out and the, the water melted yeah the ice melted but um it some of it can feel that way sometimes and I've talked to to people who have pressed whether um, sometimes even some of the evangelical campus ministry groups that right are all kind of linked together, whether it's mega church or some of these para ministries that are larger, well funded, and sometimes the leaders are really loath to reveal what they really stand for, and yeah. only when you ask them spell it out, like. If I'm queer, will you, will this place support me for being a leader and being openly queer? And they'll say, well, actually, no. Yeah. You know, like, but you have to, like, really spell it out. Yeah. Because I think the hope is they're going to win you with the long game. Yeah. Like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll convince you otherwise over time. Yeah. And just give us a year or two and you'll be one of us. Yeah. And you'll have formed stronger relationships with people here and you won't want to leave. Yeah. 
So I, th- I think they do see it as a bit of a sales pitch and a bit of a long game uh, that involves deception yeah. often. Not, not all. Some, some are super explicit with their hate. Yeah. And I guess we can give them credit at least for being honest. Oh, yeah, that, as, awful, uh, as awful as that is. But at least they're not being hypocrites. Um, so, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm always hiding my lamp under a bushel. I'm (laughs) loath to share my real opinion and thoughts on things, but no, I think, I think it's a serious issue. Um, because as so many people, uh, those of us in mainline churches complain, sometimes, you know, might be misplaced complaint like, oh, well, these, these bigger, churches are always leading the messaging uh, out in uh, the larger landscape or on social media or in the media, whatever it might be. Um, I mean, to ask that question in the inverse, to put the question back to ourselves is, why have we become wilting flowers? Like talking about the Lutheran church, like Martin Luther was not a wilting flower. He was out there basically doing battle, like literal battle Oh yeah, with uh, opposing church forces. And granted, we are in a different space in a spirit of ecumenism. We do want to work with other Christians. We're not here to... But the reality with the landscape, when we look at what's happening to trans people, uh, to queer people generally, uh, to the attacks on Black Lives Matter from predominantly white Christians, that's just a reality we're, we're in. Yeah. That those churches have chosen sides... Um, and they're kind of winning, winning in square, scare quotes, uh, on the publicity side. And like, we need to push back. We need to be out there in the public square. And instead we end up just arguing with each other about best approaches and end up doing very little. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, well, I don't, that's not sure. Uh, what all I can talk about with this. But. Well, we could guide back to some of the other talking points we talked about with uh, mainline churches. Uh, oh, no, I was just oh. going to say, like, so, like, I, I recently, um, I, I'm part of the Canadian Council of Churches as a youth member at large. Right. And so that's, I'm not sure how much I can talk about with oh, that. Oh, yeah. But, well, protect yourself first. Yeah, yeah. Just like, just like kind of like <laughs> as, uh, you know, as sort of, um, what's it called? vague as possible sure that is i mean like i've been told by people because i haven't been a part of it for very long and haven't been to very many meetings but that's kind of one of the main sort of like some of the commissions and stuff with the ccc take a really long time to to do things which i you know that's not a reality that they hide like um or make a statement or this kind of thing it's because yeah like so there are so much even though you want to work together and you're trying your best, sometimes there are opinions that are just so like astronomically different that it's hard to like really actually get things done. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, so there's that bureaucratic uh, side of things. Some, some church structures uh, are almost like by design, really challenging to get things done. Um. And so, yeah, I think about what the opportunities are with self-reflection in that. Um, 
I mean, other things with some of the evangelical or non-denominational churches, um, something I'll give to their credit is they're willing to embrace uh, newer currents and culture. Yeah, It's ironic that many of them are anti-queer, yeah. uh, but they're willing to embrace newer forms of music and art yeah sometimes and how at least how they present themselves some of the worship music um often sounds more like pop music that kids listen to yeah um and i mean martin luther was about like taking pub songs and reworking the lyrics to put in theology yeah so he was very much about interacting with the current culture and sometimes, which, you know, I love the legacy uh, that Lutherans and and the, the church traditions have in music. And um, but I also wonder how much ground we cede when we're we're not kind of in dialogue with some of the newer currents as well. So I think it's something we have to watch for. And the other is. These churches are not afraid to embrace technology. Yeah. And it took mainline churches, basically the pandemic, to get on board with the live streaming. Yeah. We talked about it and talked about it. And then one day to the next, we had to start doing it. Like this no Sunday. Yeah. We have to start live streaming now. Yeah. Um, just, you know, being active on social media, things like that in, in ways that engage people. And then when we do try those things, sometimes there'll be pushback, too, because they'll say, well, what does this have to do with our church? Yeah. And sometimes evangelism also looks like having a wider conversation yeah. beyond the walls of the church. And so, you know, we're always going to, each of us falls along a spectrum of what our preferences are, what we like for aesthetics, for worship, for liturgy, for preaching, uh, our comfort levels with evangelism, yeah, um, right? Evangelicals are comfortable sharing church events with their friends and neighbors. Yeah, mainline church folks generally pretty reluctant. Yeah, to do that because it might feel icky, yeah. might feel manipulative. Whereas it can also be just transparent. Yeah, say hey, I'm like kind of proud of being part of this church community. I know it's not for everyone, but this is happening. I'm feeling really called out by you. <laughs> oh, I wasn't looking I looking at know, you, I but know, I know um, this is. I feel the ick though. I, I feel right. that icky feeling. Well, I mean, in the church trauma, Christian trauma is real, and yeah. so there's reasons people don't want to do that. They don't want to come off feeling manipulative, which I, you know, I totally get that. Yeah. Neither do I. Um, but at the same time, we can like hide our lamp under a bushel to the extent that we don't share with other people that we're doing this yeah um and so i guess one of the things to look at or like to think about what are things we're comfortable with doing again evangelical churches they'll sometimes lead with like hey come join our basketball camp with your kids yeah and like it's 80 percent basketball and 10 or 20 percent church stuff Rare or whatever versus yeah. Yeah, yeah um again not super transparent always yeah and that i don't encourage that approach no but i do think it's a missed opportunity 
when we're not engaging with that. So I guess I'm I'm looking at the empathetic, you know, terrible theology, very exclusionary in a yeah. lot of ways, hate hate filled at times, yeah. um, and yet they're so willing to embrace new approaches yeah. in ways mainline churches are afraid to do. Yeah, I, I TikTok. They use TikTok a lot. I always see like just terrible, terrible things on TikTok where I'm like, I can, what the heck? But it's like, you know, these, yeah, these sort of mm-hmm. same people getting on there, like, I don't know, making some video like, you know, like Jesus loves like, you know, like just right, saying right. some stuff into the camera about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but it'll have like, you know, two million likes because it's, you know, TikTok, you know people are on TikTok and they're like kids. I, I don't know. Like people are seeing it for, of all ages. And yeah. like, yeah, that's, that's a no, That's what I've noticed a lot is like the, t- like they really love to post on TikTok all the time. Maybe cl- a little clip from like a sermon where they're talking right. again, talking about some BS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it draws um, people in, but they're like doing you said, it. It's like technology, right? Yeah. I remember um, a queer colleague in the U.S. had said, all you progressive pastors and and lay people who are afraid of, like, you want to get it perfect before you produce anything, sort of like this podcast, is like, <laughs> you know what you got to do? Make something. Yeah. And their approach was, yeah, put it on YouTube, put it on TikTok. If it's cringy, who cares? Yeah. Sometimes it's like stuff is overtly cringy. Yeah. And that's, like, the point of it. Yeah. And people look at it, even if they're mocking it, they're still getting views. Yeah. And that's a real weird thing, reality of our online world. But I think the reality is like, don't wait till it's perfect. Just make it. Yeah. Just in the way that, you know, sometimes this podcast, we're starting out, probably take us a year before we figure out how to do this in a smooth way. Yeah. And it took a year for us to finally just start it. Like It takes a year just to start it. <laughs> yeah. And like, if you wait till it's perfect, how many of us have projects on the back burner that will just, they will never happen. Yeah. They're never going to happen because we're waiting till we have the time to map it all out, to do all the prep that we think is necessary and to make it perfect. Edited until, yeah, Yeah. it's like this diamond. It's not going to happen. Yeah. It's just, it's sad that we have so many creative folks um with good theology and they're not making things because basically out of fear yeah i think fear of failing fear of being judged by people fear of not living up to their own standards of perfection yeah um and yet yeah as you said people are just putting out total garbage on tiktok and youtube oh yeah and it's getting watched it doesn't it's not all gonna go viral but they're making stuff yeah so to me the takeaway from these folks is like let's learn from them like what are they doing well they're reaching people real well yeah we can learn from that and we can emulate some of those things without the manipulation yeah without um you know kind of circular uh things around church trauma we're not there to just like get numbers yeah And that's where I think people get uncomfortable because you start mentioning any kind of social media approach or something. It's like, this is all about numbers. Like, no, it's about getting out a message of liberation that we as 
progressive followers of Jesus want to share. Yeah. And we have no idea how that will be received. Yeah. And if it falls flat on its face, who cares? Yeah. Like, then try something else. Um, but I think people get burnt out. They get beaten down. They get criticized, whether within congregations or beyond. And then people just, like, kind of limp away. Yeah. And say, oh, I, I got kind of beaten up the last time I tried something. So I'm, I'm just, I don't have the energy for that. Yeah, I'm good on that now. <laughs> yeah. Everyone told me I was bad at this or this was really stupid. Yeah. Uh, or that we don't need that. Um, I think that's the reality for that. People are just too tired in the way we saw during the pandemic where everyone was too tired for everything. And frankly, today, people are still too tired for a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yet, right, we can be gathering people who are too tired to support one another. Yeah. So anyway, that's... I'll take uh, a little energy from everyone and put it towards something good. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, one other thing on that of, like, learning from groups that we don't necessarily uh, agree with their theology and approach. Um, there was a street preacher in downtown Victoria who was just yelling at people. Thankfully, yeah. he didn't have a megaphone, but maybe he does now. I don't know. He's, yeah. No, I saw him the other day, I think. Actually. He was just, he had a Bible and he was yeah. yelling at people's faces. Yeah, yeah. I've seen He's him a couple times. Out there, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I just went up to him and I just started disrupting. I said, hey, hey. I, I said, I'm interested in Jesus. Yeah. And so, like, attract attention away from these innocent people people walking away just yeah trying to live their lives yeah um and i'm like why but i think jesus loves queer people and then you know it's kind of it became a magnet and uh but after a few minutes i think he kind of figured out what i was doing yeah and he started getting frustrated yeah and so i started preaching back to him and he didn't like that one bit no started telling me that i was disrupting his uh uh, religious freedom. Oh my lord! Because I was disrupting him yelling at yeah no. people. I'm like, dude, that you're so ironic and missing the point. But anyways, um, but the takeaway there to me again is like that guy's out there. I mean, I don't want to go out yell at people on the street, <laughs> but uh, I'll yell at him. Yeah. And I think we can we can disrupt some of these things like. Now, some of the megachurch stuff is just super slick, and a lot of that's in-house, and they're not in your face. Yeah. But they do, whether overtly or covertly, they do support louder voices, like whether it's convoy folks or other things. Like, these are homes to, base, for lack of a better word, like various movements. Some of them are hate, hate groups yeah. or hate movements. They'll never say that out loud on their website. They'll never admit it whatever but it's true yeah because their theology lines up with white patriarchal theologies yeah what were you saying I, we don't have to mention any names but you were saying there was a sort of like one of these types of churches here in victoria that had um s sort of the same thing like had this out outward facing mm -hmm. um sort of like welcoming, you know, open arms, but then what they were hosting, I, I can't, we were well, sitting around, okay, you were kind of like across the circle. I couldn't really hear what you were saying, but. Well, it was, uh, um, basically this was 
just before the pandemic began okay. and there was kind of an a Vancouver Island speaker series that was anti-trans okay. a little complicated because they had a a trans person as the speaker mm. who was having very conflicting self-identity okay. and was being manipulated I think by basically Christian hate groups okay to go and and tell people that being trans is not good. Oh, okay. So it's very it's very confusing, conflicted, complicated kind of thing. Yeah. Um but there they needed places to host the speaker and one of them turned out to be yeah, a non-denominational church in Victoria. Oh, okay. And so they didn't organize the event, but they gave like safe space to yeah. a hate event basically that included uh, members of a hate group who were sort of acting as security so it's pretty icky yeah. and they were kind of at arm's length distance it's like their pastors weren't up front in this but they gave them space and then another when i saw that this church was hosting that or providing space for it um i looked at their calendar of events and they had there was another event called Take Back Canada, which again, they didn't organize directly, but was some kind of para-Canadian evangelical movement that okay. seemed to be mostly led by white men. And it seemed very much about, let's reclaim Canadian identity for yeah. like people of European descent a bit. Like that's not the copy. And that's maybe they would disagree with that uh, take on it, but that's but very that's much what general. it felt like. Yeah. Um, and so these kinds of, you know, men's prayer kind of movements that have been around for a while, yeah. it sort of felt like that, but with a more nationalism yeah. than I was used to seeing. Yeah. And you can imagine like words like woke showing up and, you know, so that. It was interesting, though. That was like pre-convoy. I think the convoy kind of took the momentum from there. But funny enough, like there's a nationalistic movement th that has a lot of white Christian men yeah. uh, and women who are part of that. Um, and there's an anti-trans movement within that. Yeah. And so if we, you know, circling back, like it does take, whether it's a mega church or evangelical Pentecostal non-denominational churches are often actively hosting these groups. And there was post-pandemic or mid-pandemic, there was even a, another church in Victoria that was putting their name on like a pretty big conference that happened oh, okay. that was pretty directly linked to the convoy and some very far-right political groups. Um and they had really high quality uh, video. Like again, the the media setup very sophisticated. Um, even if the messaging is just horrific. Um, so, those are just things for us to keep in mind. And I, I never want these conversations just to become depressing. Yeah. Like for yeah. me. To me, it's it it lifts my spirit to think, hey, what are there's an opportunity here. Yeah. Um, and that's more the takeaway. And I think that's where everyone falls along a spectrum. And some people are just going to get depressed and demoralized yeah. talking or listening to this 
if that's you, just shut off this podcast. <laughs> don't listen to it. Yeah. Um, you don't have to. Um, but if, if like organizing together as progressive Christians, like boys, your spirits and think, wow, we could be doing more together. Yeah. Just like these groups are organizing. They have para ministries, right? It's never just one congregation. Yeah. They might host an event or series of events, but they're always like branching out and making networking together yeah. in ways that we seem to lack capacity for. Like when, when uh, mainline churches in that ebb and flow and we're kind of like in a, uh, some people feel like a, a flow of decline, there can be a lot of inwardness to that, of like licking our wounds, of like nostalgia for what used to be, but no longer is. Yeah. And then we miss the opportunity of like how we're being recreated into doing something new right now. That's, that's what energizes me. I know that doesn't energize everyone, but I think with movement building and organizing that like attracts like, we just have to invite those people who are excited about that or maybe want to support in in some way on the sidelines too. You don't have to be out front or feeling really exposed or vulnerable. There's different ways to be part of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. I, cause I'm generally pessimistic. So they keep me hopeful. <laughs> I'm like, usually I'm, I, I don't know. I can't, I'm on the podcast. I can't turn it off, but I usually get pretty depressed when we talk about these kind of things, but no, I, I mean, it's important to keep, hope is not always an easy thing to have but it's an important thing to have like very right. very important right and yeah and i definitely don't want to be peddling some kind of cheap hope no or no, something no. like cheap grace i'm not pretending like everything will be magically better no no of course not. uh but the only way it could be better is if we kind of keep focused i think you know use a sports analogy of like if you're behind say you're at halftime, you're in the locker room, uh, you're down like, I don't know, five to one. That's not a good feeling. Yeah. Doesn't feel good when you're that far behind, say, whether it's soccer, I don't know what another sport would be where five <laughs> to one is a typical outcome. Hockey. Yeah, hockey. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not a super big sports aficionado. No, neither am I. Um, but I do know the idea of like having your spirit feeling defeated. Yeah. Uh, and that can be like a real physical, it's both a physical and a mental thing because you might feel physically tired. Yeah. That's something we've all experienced during the pandemic and even now, and you're a busy student. Um, so there can be the sense of being physically exhausted. And then the second part, which perhaps is worse is, is the mental game. Yeah. And, if you've already lost in the mental game, like you've already checked out, right? That's kind of what a fatalism is. And there are theologies of fatalism. And I think it's a bit prevalent. It can be prevalent in mainline churches because we've felt this decrescendo of energy from bigger institutions yeah. as institutions diminish in size we have fewer seminaries the seminaries we have are smaller especially yeah. in canada um that can feel defeating 
So again, if you're at halftime, though, the only thing that's going to rev you up is to imagine possibility. Like once you give up openness to possibility, you've basically lost. Yeah. Like you've you've let yourself get be defeated. Yeah. Before the end of the game. Yeah. Um, so that mental game piece is just so crucial. Yeah. So then rather than look at the big picture of like, which I think is what happens when people say, oh, but they're better resourced or they make a trip like they have, they have all this fancy stuff and they have so many people and they have so much money. And you'd be like, the gospel is also all about Jesus turning that stuff upside down. Yeah. Of taking a small group of people with very little money or resources and making a lot out of that, that through God, all things are possible that flipping that upside down. And so if we take to heart that very gospel that we're proclaiming, then suddenly there's this openness to possibility. So when people repeat these negative thoughts of like, oh, we can't we can't fight the Christian right and they're too big and powerful, it's like, stop that already. Yeah. Like, okay, state it as a fact, yes. Like, um, empirically, that's true. Yeah. But now let's talk about openness to possibility. Sometimes giants fall because they're big, they're, they can be slow, uh, they can be lacking coordination, they can be too self-assured. Yeah. And they can really be caught unaware when some small, more nimble group suddenly upstages them somehow or critiques them, yeah. even in a small way, and they're not used to it. Yeah. So I think there's, we, have to, we just have to imagine that possibility and so if we think about we're at halftime like let's go out there and yeah we can be realistic about the justice challenges that are up against us because we want to address those and we feel like but we're also sifting this out within the christian tradition itself yeah. right so yeah i think like well we got nothing to lose i mean why not try? Yeah, absolutely. If you just start with accepting defeat, like, what's the point of that? Yeah. Um, so that's my thought. But again, it's it's definitely a spectrum, and I don't think that message resonates with everyone, but it does resonate with some people. Absolutely. So that can never be the only approach we had taken ministry, but it's one approach. Yeah. And we don't want that to be poo-pooed or diminished. Yeah. So that would be my... My thought there is those who who have some energy to lace their skates or yeah. uh, do up the cleats again and want to go out and try something, even if we're getting beaten. Yeah. Um, there, There's other ways that we have successes. Yeah. And we can name those as well, like the community partnerships, you know, that we have at Church of the Cross, that we have at Multifaith. Inclusive Christians has been going like gangbusters this year. Yeah, absolutely. At UVic. Uh, and it's a relatively small group of people, but that doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's a consistent, like it's, there's life there. There's enough that is very dynamic. Yeah. So to me that, as long as we have some of that life and dynamism and that's that forward momentum we need to keep going. Well, that's a great, I think that's a great note to leave it on, <laughs> you know, the hope the ha you know, like we can, there's still ways to have successes we're gonna leave we're gonna leave it at that because also our booking is almost up so that's a good that's a good segue to the end um thank you for listening 
I am going to try to do the thank yous. I just said I'm going to try to do the thank yous. So we'd like to thank CFUV for providing us the, the space and the equipment to record this. Um, we want to thank Church of the Cross. We want to thank Multifaith and Inclusive Christians for, for supporting us in this. And um, did, I miss, did I miss anyone? All right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.